Welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Heather. And I'm Kelsey. And on today's episode, we will be discussing the second book in the Hunger Games trilogy, Catching Fire by Suzanne Collins. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty, what you drinking? I've got pretty boring, but I've got a little protein coffee this morning. I have a Melozio Nespresso pod, which is my favorite Nespresso pod. It's like, I don't know what the undertones are. You know how they like list the under yeah. flavors, whatever. I don't know. It's smooth and delicious. And then I have a coffee protein shake because I skipped breakfast for recording. So <laughs> this is going to hold me over until we're done. So you volunteered as tribute is what you're saying to your stomach instead of <laughs> basically, which is a very awful thing considering there's real people starving in this book. I'm sorry. Anyway, Heather, what are you drinking? I'm also boring today. I'm just having a hazelnut coffee with some sweet cream creamer, but it's delicious. So it's, it's getting me through. That's all that matters right now. It's 20 degrees outside, so I wasn't going to leave to go get coffee. 1000%. I was like, no, thank I you. I agree with that. <laughs> so cheers. Cheers. Okay. So before we get into the book, obviously, I will read the fantastic Goodreads description. Sparks are igniting, flames are spreading, and the capital wants revenge. Against all odds, Katniss Everdeen has won the Hunger Games. She and fellow District 12 tribute Peter Malark are miraculously still alive. Katniss should be relieved, happy even. After all, she has returned to her family and her longtime friend Gail, yet nothing is the way Katniss wishes it to be. Gail holds her at an icy distance. Peta has turned his back on her completely. And there are whispers of a rebellion against the capital, a rebellion that Katniss and Peta may have helped create. Much to her shock, Katniss has fueled an unrest that she's afraid she cannot stop. And what scares her even more is that she's not entirely convinced she should try. As time draws near for Katniss and Peta to visit the districts on the capital's cruel victory tour, the stakes are higher than ever. If they can't prove without a shadow of a doubt that they are lost in their love for each other, the consequences will be har horrifying. In Catching Fire, the second novel of the Hunger Games trilogy, Suzanne Collins continues the story of Katniss Everdeen, testing her more than ever before and surprising readers at every turn. I love this because it does give you a sense of the book, but it doesn't tell you the big thing. Like, it doesn't spoil the I was just going to say that. Hunger it Games. doesn't even tell you at all. It just, if I'm being honest, I feel like it gives you what the first 20% of the book is, and that's it. Yeah, like the first 20% and the last 1%. <laughs> and like nothing in between <laughs> yeah but i like that because it's the shock is well we'll get there exactly so the book opens up with katniss in the woods her favorite place of course where she feels most comfortable where else would katniss be realistically mm -hmm. good question <laughs> we get a little recap of what has transpired since the games so her and her family now live in victor's village which is a little area of the town that I don't think I would necessarily say it's nicer than the District 12, but it's it's more of a hotel than a motel kind of situation. Yeah. I but think not five stars. Same, not like a five-star hotel. scale, yeah. but just bigger, like yeah. more space. And basically, Peta lives there and Haymitch lives there, so they're all kind of in like a little cul-de-sac kind of place and... They can visit each other. They don't, but they could. They're all neighbors. Yeah. But it's funny that they're 
I can't remember how many houses they say are in Victor's Village, but there's all these houses and obviously no one from District 12 ever wins. So it's just like an empty ghost town, mm-hmm. except for the three of them. I know. And then there's a celebration in the capital, which of course Katniss is dreading because she is the epitome of antisocial and wants nothing to do with any other human except for her family and Gail. And that's about it. Mm -hmm. She buys from all the vendors in the hob. So she's giving back to the community because now she has money. They kind of have this wealth now because she won the Hunger Games. So she has the ability to basically give back to the community. Like I said, she gets to give them some money. If she goes hunting, it doesn't have to be for just her. Now she can just give it to, she can sell her game to the hot people of the hobs so that they can sell it for profit. So, which I'm not surprised that she's doing this. She's very much selfless in that way. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that Gail was considered Katniss's cousin because he was too handsome to be her best friend when they were trying to push the PETA narrative. I mean, understandable. <laughs> yeah. So Gail's just her cousin. So they're kissing cousins is basically what's going to happen in this book. <laughs> It's so funny that they were like, no, it's fine. Just say he's her cousin and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No one's that close with their cousin. No, no. In the beginning of the book, she comes back home and finds President Snow there, a creepy ass man who has the scent of like blood on his breath, which I guess blood does have a smell, but the way that they make it seem, it's a very like potent smell. Yeah. I I'm sure that she's more sensitive to that smell being a yes. hunter and having also killed true. people to survive. That's a very good point. But also, I feel like the way they talk about this in the book, yes, she's shocked and yes, she's like, "Oh, this is weird that the president is here," but literally, this man is the president of all the districts. Like it's not like the US president. This is like the leader the one who's responsible for the Hunger Games, the one who's responsible for all this suffering. Mm-hmm. And he's just like in her house. Yeah, just just chilling. And it was funny because when she comes back to the house, her mom is like, oh, how was your walk? Like trying to immediately try to cover for her because Katniss is still leaving the, the outside of District 12 when she's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. So President Snow explains that Katniss's actions in the games will cause potential uprisings, as some districts do not fully believe that her and Peta are in love and that Katniss needs to convince the districts and him on the victory tour that they are. So he's immediately calling her out. Mm-hmm. No one believes you. The district, which, And it's interesting to me that he tries to also place the blame on the other districts, saying that they're going to cause an uprising because they don't believe that they're in love. Which, like, I guess I could see how yeah. matters because they ended up both winning the games when only one is supposed to. But I don't know. I feel like he's embellishing in a sense. Yeah, it's like trying to make it like PETA has anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. When really it's about her rebellion and her outsmarting the Capitol. It has nothing to do with PETA. No. But President Snow wants her to know that if she doesn't convince everybody that he's just going to kill off her family and Gail mm-hmm. and anyone else that she cares about. And then it's revealed there's a there's a flashback to a few weeks after the games when she's in the woods with Gail and he kisses her, kissing cousins, circles back, and Snow reveals that he knows about it. So basically he's watching her every single move. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, oh, your cousin, huh? Interesting. 
<laughs> Awkward. And then this is the year of the 75th Hunger Games. So it makes it a quarter quell, which occurs every 25 years, marking the anniversary of the district's defeat with over-the-top celebrations and some miserable twists for the tributes. So, like, it's not bad enough that they have to go into the arena and kill each other, but every 25 years, they make it worse. Mm -hmm. And then Katniss tells Haymitch about her conversation with Snow, and Haymitch makes her realize that in order for her not to fail Snow's test, her basically only future ahead is that she has to marry Peta and keep those that, in order to keep everyone she loves and herself alive. And that's obviously upsetting for both her and Peta in a sense, because while Peta would obviously choose Katniss to marry a hundred times mm-hmm. over, I don't think Katniss even wants that kind of life. She just wants a solitary life. She doesn't want to be forced mm-hmm. into anything or even, I don't even know if, if her future was different, I don't even know if she would marry Gail, to be honest. I think that she would just want yeah. to be alone. Not like alone, alone, but she wouldn't want to commit to anybody. Yeah, it's definitely she wants to keep being in the middle because she doesn't want to face, because she definitely has feelings for both of them, but she doesn't want to have to face them. She doesn't want to have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And then she says, you know, how can you get married and have children and then those children are at risk of being sent to the Hunger yeah. Games. Like she doesn't even see a future. And you have to think, especially in book one, she was just trying to live to see tomorrow. So yeah. how could she even look at a future? I know. And I, I agree with you touching on the fact that I don't think she would want to witness her children going through the tor- you know the turmoil and the torture that she went through in her lifetime, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense. I could completely mm-hmm. understand why you wouldn't want to procreate in a world that's like this. Yeah. And even her having those children and every reaping day being terrified Mm -hmm. that they're going to be taken from her. Cause the whole deal is you win the hunger games. You're, you're free. Yeah. But that doesn't extend to your children. Doesn't extend to your family. Cause like technically prim could still get reaped again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. She could. So it only protects the person who already wants. Yeah, right. I'm pretty sure because even though she volunteered as tribute, I don't know that. Well, yeah, her see, name still never, has to be in there. That's never really touched upon. It never gets that far, so I guess we wouldn't know. But that's yeah. actually is a, a good thing to to think over. Yeah, because like I would assume that her name just gets put back in. But I yeah, would, they never I really would address think so it too. But yeah. So since the returning home from the games, the tension between Peta and Katniss is palpable they it's a little icy in that situation um which is kind of funny to me in a sense that they even around even being in home in district 12 they're not really keeping up the facade of them being in a relationship which was kind of i think that would be a red flag for me like being like if i was like a member of the district and i just kind of see them like not spending any time together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they don't really have a relationship at this point and they and they know that in order to keep everyone to think that for everyone to think that they're still together, Peta's like, can we just call a truce and just be friends? We don't have to date, but I think in order for anyone to believe us, we need to have some kind of form of relationship. So mm-hmm. he just wants to and even be friends. The way he says it is like it's so sad because he was under the impression that everything that happened in the games was real yeah. and she was just trying to save them. And he says 
the self-aware king. Like, I am not, I shouldn't be holding you to what you said in the Mm -hmm. games. You kept us alive. Mm -hmm. And like, I have you to thank for that. And now I can stop acting like this wounded little puppy. And you could stop treating me like that. And now we could just be humans who could be friends. Yeah, exactly. And I liked that. And they, I like the little scene where he was like, oh, like, what's your favorite color? And Katniss is like, scandalous. How dare you ask? <laughs> yeah. She's so funny, actually. She really is. And it's kind of, it's almost upsetting in a sense. I mean, obviously, I know she's not a real person, but I get emotionally attached to fictional characters. So sue me. But she could have, she could be such an amazing person, but she's just never afforded the ability because of the life that she was born into. Mm-hmm. She does she's have just those, always self-preservation she really mode does have those little moments that shine through and you're like oh i feel even more bad for you now because you could be mm-hmm. so much more than what you are so on their victory tour their first stop they start at district 11 and while they're there effie like hands them speeches and they're supposed to read the speech that was written for them and Peta just goes off script because Peta going to be Peta. And he announces that the families of the dead tributes will receive one month of their winnings once a year, which he's not allowed to offer. <laughs> it's not something mm-hmm. that you're allowed to do. But again, it shows how selfless he is as a, as a person. And then Katniss wasn't going to say anything. She didn't really want to talk at all, but she ends up feeling the need to she wants to like say her thanks to the tributes families explaining you know she while she really didn't know thresh that well he still like gave her a moment of mercy and then obviously she had that wonderful relationship with rue and so obviously the the tributes from district 11 those deaths were the hardest for katniss Mm -hmm. for sure and so when she says her thanks every single person in the crowd presses their three middle fingers of their left hand against their lips extending them to her the sign from district 12 and katniss is immediately worried about how that's going to look to president snow because they're supposed to be stopping any kind of rebellion or any kind Mm -hmm. of uprising and this is the exact opposite of that and this cute little old man did ruse whistle and he just got shot dead like cool all right that's just (laughs) so now it's basically Katniss realizes what she's truly up against and that it's mm-hmm. just going to get worse. And originally she wasn't and what a going. way to start. Oh my God. I know. And she originally wasn't going to tell PETA about President Snow's threats because she didn't want to involve him in that. And then, of mm-hmm. course, he's mad about that. PETA gets, PETA has major FOMO. He he's does. Like, he truly, truly has major FOMO. And so, you know, he's on her side now and... They know that they really need to work together because it's not only, which he had a good point to, to like, to Katniss, you know, it's not just her family that, that needs to be worried about. Like, Peta also has family and this could blow back mm-hmm. on him as well. So they yeah. realize they just really need to work together. And even the fact, like this, him being left out, this isn't the beginning of it. He, we see that he has resentment between the relationship he has resentment about the relationship between Hamish and Katniss because mm-hmm. they've always been keeping secrets from him yeah. and he didn't receive any help in the first games until he was teamed up with Katniss mm-hmm. until they were together so he knows that Hamish only helped her so he's already feeling left out and now he's like you left me out of this i just made things worse and i didn't even know like but they just didn't want to influence 
who he is because Mm -hmm. Peta himself is just such a pure good guy yeah that they're like if we tell him he's gonna give it all away like he needs plausible deniability Uh uh-huh because he's such a true genuine person and people like him shouldn't have even been in the games Mm because he's just so pure of heart but in order to in order to try to appease President Snow, Peta does propose to Katniss at the Capitol, but President Snow's like, good try. I don't believe you at all. This is, which I didn't think he would. I think the moment that he stepped into Katniss's house, his plan all along was to try to bring her down. He Because mm-hmm. she fucked him in the Hunger Games. She defied the Capitol and made him look terrible, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. He was never going to let her get away with it. End no. of the day, Mm-mm. never. And the the only way that he knew to get her to understand is to threaten her family. Because if he yeah. just threatened her, she's like, I don't give a shit. Why don't you kill me now? Exactly. But she will do anything for her family mm-hmm. and for Peta and for Gail. Mm-hmm. Katniss basically wants to escape. She thinks that her and her family and Gail's family and Peta and Hamish, the core people that she cares about, they can all go into the woods and survive because she's she's so good at that. And she tells Gail that this is her plan. And he's very enthusiastic about it. And he confesses his love for her. He's like, you know, I love you so much and blah, blah, blah. And Katniss just does not reiterate this at all. She's kind of like, because Katniss, and again, I wouldn't necessarily say she is emotionally stunted, but she does not do well with kind of affirmations of love or people telling them how they how they feel. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not what she wants, I think, nor needs. And she also doesn't because she's never really experienced, I think, any kind of love. Like she has her family and everything, but even them, I feel like they're very it's very surface level. Yeah, and I she, think it stopped when her dad absolutely. passed. Like she mm-hmm. built up all those walls. Yeah, you know, because then her dad died and her mom withdrew. You know, in the first book and everything. I mean, obviously, I think the only person she has a true amount of love for is Prim. Obviously, mm-hmm. but so it terrifies her. No, and she does so. She doesn't know how to respond, or she kind of needs to sit in her feelings for a little bit. And then at first, she didn't explain to Gail that she would bring Hamish and Peta. And Gail is pissed. He is so, so mad. He's like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? No, I'm not not living with you and your... I just told you I love you. And now I have Mm -hmm. to live with you and your boyfriend in the woods. Like, no, thank you. (laughs) Which, by the way, I just have to say that this is the most unrealistic part of this entire book. Not even the dystopian part. The most unrealistic part is that two men are so open with their feelings, uh-huh. confessing their love, just openly, freely, knowing that they're not going to get anything back because Gail and Peta do not hold anything back when they're telling Katniss how much they love her. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, mm, thanks? <laughs> Question mark? It's a, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> like, it's just, just like... She's like, it's a maybe just so that you'll do what I want you to do. I know, I know. <laughs> And so while they're kind of having this little mini argument, she accidentally spills the beans about the fact that there's an uprising in District 8 and that she unintentionally discovered this when at the mayor's house because the mayor has access to everything. And I believe she saw a video or was a phone call. Mm -hmm. I think it was like on TV, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And 
Gale changes his tune real quick in the sense that he's so glad to see rebellion happening and he wants to get involved, which Katniss is like, no, please don't do that. But Gale's like, you know, he said something. I actually took a quote from the book that I liked that he said. And he said, what about the other families, Katniss, the ones who can't run away? Don't you see? It can't be about just saving us anymore. Not if the rebellion's begun. And Gale kind of makes you think, even the reader, in a sense, see that while this book is clearly about Katniss and her journey, it's not just about Katniss anymore. What happened in the games really did unravel something that I think was underlying for a very long time, but Mm -hmm. her defiance put everything into motion finally in a sense and it goes back to what she said to president snell when they had that impromptu meeting when he was like oh the whole system can be taken down and she's like it must be a fragile system if it can be taken down by a few berries Mm -hmm. and it's true like the capital keeps the districts obviously at arm's length keeps them incapacitated starving reliant on the capital so that they'll never have the power to rebel again and even though they still have all of those you know drawbacks that are keeping them from it it's like all they need is just that little spark of hope and gail is like it's finally time like i'm i'm ready let's fucking do this yep one of the hardest things in the book for me to read and i think obviously for katniss was gail ends up getting tied up in the square for poaching a wild turkey and he's being severely beaten by a head peacemaker getting whipped in the back basically and she tries to intervene and she gets slashed in the face and then while caring for gail she realizes that she does have some form of feelings for him so she's she's trying she's you know, mm-hmm. adapting and trying to figure out who she is and that she can't run away, that she needs to stay and cause trouble. Mm-hmm. But-, but also the fact that she only realizes that she has feelings for Gail when he's being hurt. Same as in the first Hunger Games, she only realized she had feelings for Peta when his leg was about to fall off. Yeah. Like, are these real feelings or do you just not want them to die? It's basically when she's faced with a traumatic event, it's kind of all her feelings surface to the level. They, they, they kind of all bubble up to outside of her. And mm-hmm. But she, again, it could be that, like you said, or she just very much is very good at suppressing her feelings. Mm-hmm. And it takes... Or a combination of both. Yeah, it takes a crazy moment in time to make her realize, oh, I do have feelings mm-hmm. for people. But that entire scene in the book where he's getting cared for by Katniss's mom and just I can't even I I wouldn't necessarily say I was like grossed out but it was definitely hard to read because it's oh yeah you know like his whole back is just it says like his skin was like ribbons and I'm just like yeah she's like placing the skin back in place no 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 and he's unconscious for most like he's in so much pain that he's unconscious during the beating Mm -hmm. and then doesn't wake up for like days after no that's how traumatic it was yeah and then to go back to her realizing she has some form of feelings for gail you know in the next chapter she has a nightmare and she wishes that Peta was there to hold her until she remembers that she's not supposed to wish that anymore and so a quote from the book that i also liked was she says I have chosen Gale and the Rebellion, and a future with Peta is the capital's design, not mine. 
So. Oh, that's so sad. You know, so she's saying, I can't be with PETA because that's a facade in a sense. And Mm -hmm. the only reason why I did that was to survive the games, whereas her feelings for Gail, I guess, in a sense, could be more realistic because she has grown up with him and Mm -hmm. he is that safety blanket for her and everything. Mm -hmm. And she she doesn't feel like her and PETA are the same type of people which they are not no they're definitely not and like that's acknowledged in like the movies that's acknowledged in the books like they're coming to their their paths truly never would have crossed Mm -hmm. in a set they would never be acquaintances or friends because their lives were so different which just shows how Peta's feelings for katniss have to be pure feelings because he still loved her from afar Mm -hmm. even knowing that it was so unlikely, so unrealistic. Yeah. So District 12 is just in a massive decline. The square has been taken over by these aggressive peacekeepers, whereas before they had, you know, Darius and Cray, and they were, you know, they were still peacekeepers, but they were very lackadaisical. They didn't really try to enforce anything. They were looked the other way. They would shop in the hob. So now mm-hmm. they're they're met with peacemakers who actually follow the rules and the hob is destroyed food rations are being depleted wages are being cut so and again katniss knows it's because of her so she feels a little bit of responsibility for that and she continues to want that solace and she goes into the woods which it's super forbidden now. She should not be going into the woods. Yeah, what is this all? girl doing? <laughs> Especially with like the new regiment of peacekeepers now in District 12. But she in the you know, she realizes that this really is truly going to be the last time that she can come to the woods because of what's going on. And she just wants to say goodbye to the lake and the house that she spent so much of her childhood in with her, mm-hmm. her dad. And then while she's there she comes across these two women and they show Katniss a piece of bread with the Mockingjay symbol baked into it. And Katniss learns from these women that District 13 may have survived. So District 13 was, it was told that it was basically wiped from, from, I believe it was either a bombing or whatever it was, but it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. It's and just that, like wasteland. Yeah, it's like wasteland. Exactly. And that even though there's footage on the news showing the wasteland of District 13, they say it's reused over and over and that it's not actual live updates because there's a bird in the corner that shows up in every single record, you know, Mm -hmm. every single time it shows up. And when Katniss is home, she's watching the television and she sees that. She sees that, oh, that that they're right. Mm -hmm. But before she goes home, real quick, (laughs) they re-electrified the fence that blocks them from the woods that was again never lit because the same thing they just didn't really they were very lax with everything and so she knows that that they probably knew she was like in the woods because they're constantly watching her Mm -hmm. and she has to try to figure out a way to get over this fence which is like climb a tree fall from the tree hurts herself (laughs) and when she gets back to the house, she knows that there were 
two peacemakers there and they were like kind of shocked that she ended up showing up because they didn't mm-hmm. think that she would and she's like what's going on she's like oh i'm fine i was just chilling i was just walking around and she's like making <laughs> jokes and stuff which is just another instance of katniss being able to act under pressure mm-hmm. whereas i would just curl up in a ball and die mm-hmm. yeah she does she she's does like i'm really gonna scale well. this tree and just uh-huh. pop right on out she's and, so won't do that again she has ridiculous way of thinking but i think she owes a lot of that to her father and how he raised Mm -hmm. her he really taught her how to survive in in situations it's actually unbelievable how big of a character he is without considering he's not alive yeah during the books especially in and yes definitely in the first book but even in this one with her going out Mm -hmm. to the woods because she wants to say goodbye to the places that she was with him and even in the games, like she brings him up several times, mm-hmm. like, oh, I never would have known how to swim, like yep. all all that type of stuff. The announcement of the quarter quell is made and President Snow talks about how, you know, for the 25th quarter quell, the districts voted for the children to send in, which, okay. What? Yeah. Don't love that. <laughs> Glazed over that one pretty quick. Uh-huh. And I was like, what the fuck? And then the 50th, the districts had to send twice as many. So instead of 24, they had 48 people. So that's mm-hmm. wild. And it wasn't that the one that Hamish won. Yeah. So crazy. And now for the 75th, I shall read what President Snow had said on his podium. Oh, on the 75th anniversary, as a reminder to the rebels that even the strongest among them cannot overcome the power of the capital, the male and female tributes will be reaped from their existing pool of victors. President Snow is just giving a big fuck you to Katniss Everdeen. Savage. Brilliant. Yep. He's basically was like, you thought? You thought, truly, you thought. Mm-hmm. You are not going to escape it the second time around. You are going to die. It's His mission in life is to kill Katniss Everdeen now. And to make an example out of her. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to be, we're not just going to kill you in the woods. We're going to make an example out of you. It's going to be very public. And first, we're going to let the other districts watch you break down, mm-hmm. betray, kill, and then you're done. Yeah. So, of course, all the victors, all the prior victors will soon learn are pissed about this because it's not fair. You know, they already did what they were supposed to do. They won. That was supposed to be it. And obviously Katniss's family is distraught because she is the only female tribute. And she knows that if Hamish gets picked first, Peta is going to volunteer as tribute and which, spoiler alert, that's what happens. And mm-hmm. Katniss makes Hamish promise her that they will save Peta this time. It's not her. It needs to be him. And she says, like we talked about before, he doesn't, in a sense, he doesn't deserve this. Not that anybody deserves it, but especially not Peta, because he's just too pure for the games. This mm-hmm. he's, he's someone that's decent and he should, he should be the one to, to win, to survive. And both Katniss and Hamish explicitly say that. Like, mm-hmm. First of all, the fact that Katniss ran away into to hide and like wallow because obviously it's horrible news. And then she finally starts thinking about Peta and Hamish and runs to Hamish to make this deal. And Hamish is like, what does it say about you that Peta was here immediately Mm -hmm. thinking of you, putting you first? And then he says you could live a hundred lifetimes and not deserve him. 
Oh, that ripped me. Oh my god, I was like, you know what, it's it's so horrible because it's true, Uh but but that's part of why PETA loves Katniss so much. Yeah. And he just accepts the fact that she's so selfish. Like she, and she's always had to be. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it as like a horrible thing, but even when she wants to run away, that's selfish because she's not thinking of the people she's leaving behind. Mm-hmm. Even when this happens, you know, she's only thinking about herself first. And then she realizes, oh shit, hey, Mitch or Peta is going to be there with me. Yeah. Oh, I know. He, he deserved better. I oh. love. <sighs> I just love Peta so much. So the first encounter that Katniss has at the... I don't even remember where they go. Do they go to the Capitol? Is that where they start when they all go for, like, the the victory? Oh, yeah, start it's like the training the center Capitol. and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. So her first encounter was is with my personal favorite, Finnick O'Dare. Love him so much. And his mm-hmm. famous line, want a sugar cube? <laughs> and he's this just... Is funny. Basically fucking with her. And then mm-hmm. then there's Joanna Mason, Johanna Mason, who just strips naked in an elevator <laughs> in front of Katniss and Peta. And then there's Chaff, who just kisses her on the lips. Mm-hmm. And so she's being kind of like, I don't know if I would call it like roasted, but Peta like points out he's, you know, they're messing with her because she's too pure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is so funny because I forgot this about the book. And then when I reread it, I was like, that's so funny because she doesn't even think of something like that. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is like, like you said, like screwing with her. And Peter's like, oh, it's because like you couldn't even look at me when I was literally dying and I had to take my pants off to go into the, the water <laughs> to bathe. Like you're yeah. just, you're a prude. And she's like, what? Like, what do you mean? And just the fact that Obviously, this is like the most horrible situation, but they're all still like messing with her and joking about it and stuff. Like, y'all are going to have to kill each other in a few days. I know. But to them, it's just like, this is normal life. Like, that's how horrible it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's true. Hamish explains to Katniss and Peta that they'll need to make allies in this round of the games if they want to get far. And Katniss, of course, knows this is true but she doesn't want to she truly does just want it to be her and Peta the whole time which isn't feasible obviously mm-hmm. so she gets close to a couple of the the tributes wireless and bt from district three who are the outcasts so no surprise mm-hmm. there that that's who she's bonding with or as they're famously called nuts and volts which love them she also mm-hmm. gets close to mags which is from phoenix district who's this little old lady that I guess it's kind of mute now. She doesn't talk anymore. Mm-hmm. But she's just a cute little old lady. And so the people that she chooses to get close to, and Hamish is like, for real, like, you want these people as your allies. And even Peta's like rolling his eyes. He's like, they call them nuts and volts. Are you kidding? I and Peta, being Peta, while they're in the training center, he's hanging out with all the other tributes. He's trying to actually like assess the situation. He's hanging out with the careers uh-huh. with Finnick. And she's just like, yeah, I want Mags and Wyrus and BD. And they're like, what? But realistically, everyone wants to be her ally because in the training room, she has a shooting exposition and the tributes are basically amazed by her skills because she's a mm-hmm. phenomenal, she's been hunting her whole life. So archery is in her blood. So 
But yeah, she tells Hamish, yeah, I know like everyone wants to be my ally, but I want those three. So please and thank you. And Hamish is like, no, I'll let them know you're still <laughs> <Moving> deciding. <on>. Yeah. <laughs> Before they enter into the games, they each have to have a private session with the game maker and all those people. And Peta's in there for an abnormally long time. And Katniss is very concerned because Peta is not supposed to be putting any heat on himself. He's supposed to survive. So she realizes that she needs to do something super outlandish to be worse than Peta. Mm -hmm. And her move was so savage. She takes takes a target dummy, hangs a noose around its neck, and then writes Seneca Crane on it. This is incredible. This is like, I couldn't have thought of a better talent for her to show. Mm -hmm. And she finds out from PETA that his, during his session, PETA being PETA, he painted a picture of Rue to hold the game makers accountable. And Mm -hmm. of course, Katniss loves that, but also is like, can you not? do things that are going to draw attention but they both mm-hmm. end up scoring 12s which never happens this the mm-hmm. two that never really you don't really see two tributes in the same district scoring that that high and it's just further evidence of the capital spinning what they're doing because it's like obviously the other tributes don't know what they did in their showing mm-hmm. so to them it just looks like oh there are these amazing warriors we got to get them out first mm-hmm. president snow being president snow and the jackass that he is for their final outfits for the their final interviews and everything with caesar flickerman who in the books obviously don't love him but stanley tucci does such a good job as him in the movies that i can't help but like love him god (laughs) every time he's on the screen i love him so much and he's so obsessed with katniss and Beta, so like i love it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but he makes her wear her wedding dress for the final interviews which in the book I like we didn't really talk about it, but she tries on a bunch of dresses. The Capitol gets to vote for their favorite one. So the favorite dress the Capitol voted on, she has to wear. Mm-hmm. And Sin is like, you know, I made some modifications of it. NBD, like you'll be fine. And Katniss is like, Do I twirl? And Sin is like, You'll know. And like, yes, you're definitely gonna twirl. Like, you know, look at me if you can't figure out when. And Katniss does it. And she discovers that Sinna turned her dress into the mocking jay. So Katniss is the face of this rebellion and of this uprising. And Mm -hmm. Cinna did a beautiful job with that. Mm -hmm. This is kind of even more examples of how I feel like selfish is the wrong word for it. But as soon as that happens and Katniss realizes that, oh, she's a Mockingjay, which is like a symbol of the rebellion. And Cinna knew what he was doing. And he, these people who are helping Katniss have made the conscious decision. They know what the consequences are going to be. Cinna knows what he's doing by making this statement. And Katniss's first thought is like, great, now here's another person that I have to feel guilty about, another person that I have to feel like I have to protect, that I have to feel responsible if something happens to them. And she's not really acknowledging that they know what they're doing absolutely and they're willing to do it because of what they believe in and because of because they believe in her exactly a hundred percent Peter will not let katniss show him up he will be the one that brings the fire realistically to everything so sure will he tells the entirety of the world that katniss is pregnant 
because they got married. They did like their cute little tradition in District 12. And so they're married. Mm -hmm. So this child is not born out of wedlock. Don't worry. Scandal. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Katniss is has to try to rein in her surprise, but she's also not mad at PETA for throwing that out there. She thinks that her and Haymitch are both like, that was a really smart move. Like, Mm -hmm. good job. And the tributes all join hands. And it's at this point that you could just feel how, even during their interviews, they're all pissed that this is their life right now, that they have to go back into the games. And the fact that they all join hands is, again, another sign of rebellion against mm-hmm. the capital because tributes are never like this they never are unified in a sense but obviously when they go into the games that's going to be all thrown out the window but in that moment of time it was like they were trying to pull on the heartstrings of the capital to stop the games which i think mm-hmm. was also Peta's hope by telling them that katniss was pregnant are they really going to send a pregnant woman into the arena which of course mm-hmm. is president snow he's sadistic he does not care. Oh, absolutely. But it is crazy <laughs> that the capital, not the capital, that President Snow and the game makers and stuff took this risk with the quell because, you know, they talk about it in the book that a lot of these victors are darlings of the capital, like especially Finnick and mm-hmm. like some of these people who won a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Not only do they all know each other, so of course they're pissed about that to go and they know they're going to have to kill people who they built a relationship with, but they... There's this risk of the capital being upset because these people who they've grown to love, their victors, are now being sent back to die. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I guess the pros outweigh the cons for President Snow. Like, he's like, whatever, they'll get over it because once the blood starts spilling, they'll be on board. But the outrage from the people in the capital is like a palpable thing. Absolutely. It definitely is. Right when Katniss is going to be sucked up into her tube into the arena, there she gets in there and then her and Senna realize that she's not moving when she's supposed to be. And unfortunately, peacekeepers come into the room and they beat Senna badly. Katniss doesn't know if he's alive, if he's, Mm -hmm. you know, and if he is still alive, are they going to torture him? So again, like we said, she feels that responsibility, but Senna had told her, numerous times that he will make his own decisions for himself and he knows what he's doing so when Mm -hmm. he makes her outfits he knows that he is rebelling in his in his way that's how he can Mm -hmm. rebel and so while it's sad obviously that this is happening to him i think he had to know that that would happen or something Mm -hmm. along those lines would happen but he and he even says it in this book that he's still betting on her so Mm -hmm. it's sad because we love yeah Sina. this was a sad one but we it talked was about how much we loved him in the first oh one. my god totally but it also felt kind of necessary yeah I for agree. the cause yeah, and no, absolutely. You, know. yeah, you had to know that there was going to be bloodshed that we didn't want to see but you kind of mm-hmm. have to in these in these dystopian books you have to have the deaths that are going to hurt the most mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so when katniss gets up into the arena she sees that it's They're surrounded by water, so they have to swim to get to the cornucopia. When she gets there, she is immediately met by Finnick. And before Katniss can do anything, he throws up his wrist, or his his arm, and on his wrist is a bangle that Haymitch was given. So she knows that Haymitch gave that bangle to Finnick. And he's like, good things for allies, right? And so, and in that moment, you would think that Katniss would start to put the pieces into place that there was something going on, but she just doesn't. (laughs) She just 
Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. She's like, kind she's of, just like, oh, I was too, too stubborn. So now they're forcing me to make more or less. Yeah. Which is what happened. But <laughs> yeah. And then she can't find PETA. And then she realizes that he's on one of the, I don't even, I don't even know what platforms. Thank I you. Guess. I'm like, what would I even call that? And so I, I don't know if he was just stunned or if he just doesn't know how to swim. Like there was this moment where I didn't realize why he was still like why he wasn't moving. He didn't mm-hmm. try to jump off. And so Finnick goes in and gets well, him. That's something crazy that they do talk about in the book that you don't even think about the fact that some people from the districts wouldn't know how to swim. Yeah. Because they've never been exposed to water. Yeah. And so it's like, that's another way that the game makers add to the game. Yeah, because Finnick was even surprised that Katniss knew how to swim as well as she did. And it was because mm-hmm. back to being at the lake. Her dad. Her dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Just showing her survivor skills. So Katniss realizes that she kind of needs to keep Finnick around because he went out of his way to, to get PETA for her. And so it's Finnick, Katniss, Peta, and Mags to start. They're like the little foursome that sticks together. Mm-hmm. And they're trying, they're going through the jungle, which I would not want to be in a jungle. That happens. It to sounds terrifying. Worst. Oh, yeah. This is like the most terrifying jungle I've ever heard of in my life. Mm-hmm. So they're walking through the jungle trying to find fresh water and everything. And at one point, Katniss realizes that. There's a force field. So when she was in the training room, Wireless and BT had shown her that where the game makers were watching from their little room, that there was there was a force field around them that they were blocked. And they showed they're like, oh, see how there's like a wave. Like you can tell that that's not that there's something there. And I like how I like how Katniss is like, yeah, it's probably because I shot an arrow at them last year. So. <laughs> <laughs> whoopsie yeah, whoopsies so she realizes when she's in the arena that that same wavelength that she she sees it but before she can tell Peta to stop he gets blasted back by the force field and he's basically dead and yes he is Finnick, dead Finnick performs cpr and saves him so again Katniss is while she's happy Peta's alive she's also pissed because like she's like i keep owing Finnick. Like, he keeps mm-hmm. doing shit that's making me owe him, and I don't want to owe people. That's always been, even the first book, she doesn't like having to owe people anything. Mm-hmm. She's like, how am I going to kill him at the end of all this if yeah. he just keeps doing things that are mm-hmm. that are great? Yeah, exactly. Finnick, stop being amazing. God. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> they can't find water at all. And then Hamish, their first little gift comes. And it's a spile from Hamage. And it takes Katniss, like, forever. It takes, well, like, forever. But it takes her, like, some time to figure out what this is. And it was funny, Mm because in the movie, like, she knew immediately what it was. But in the book, she was like, what am I supposed to, like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Like, and so she realizes, oh, it's a spile. And they stick it in a tree. And they're able to get fresh water. And then they decide to set up camp, especially since Peta's hurt. He can't really walk Mm -hmm. right now or, like, do much movement. So Katniss is keeping one of the watches and this creepy ass fog just rolls in. It's not just any fog. It is a fog that blisters your skin and causes basically paralysis. Yeah. Like she's like, oh, it's also causing nerve damage. Casually. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So she freaks out 
wakes everybody up. Finnick just throws Mags on her back, like a backpack. He's just, like, mm-hmm. running because she's, you know, like this little old lady. And, you know, Peta's trying to run. Katniss is trying to bring Peta. Peta falls. She realizes that she can't do both. Like, she can't, or she can't help Peta. So then Finnick and her switch. She takes Mags. Finnick takes Peta, which the muscles that this man must have. Just no, Harry. Oh, I can't. I love him. But also, Peta really needs a lot of saving. Like, oh my god, my dude never would have made it anywhere without no. Katniss and now Finnick. Yeah, he's basically being saved. He's by, like, clumsy. Everybody. He he's, doesn't know he's what's too going pure. on. And so you know, they realize Katniss is like, I'm not going to make it. Like I can't run. She can't even handle the the incoming fog. And so Mags basically sacrifices herself so that Katniss and Finnick can take Peta together to escape. And this moment was just, again, one of those pure moments because she sacrifices herself, which, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, she wouldn't have made it in the games anyway, realistically, but she she was a liability for Finnick. Yeah. So she took this time to just do something selfless to help them. Mm hmm. And but such a painful way to go. Yeah. Have them have them give you an arrow to the chest. I know, even or something. like how they showed in the book, they said like her whole body like contorted, basically. Yeah. Like that's again. The visuals like, that uh, Suzanne Collins writes in this YA novel is insane. Again. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I agree. So they're able to get the blisters to go down because they discover that water helps it which okay weird but we'll roll with it and then their next issue is a pack of monkeys so now we have which monkeys i'm not gonna lie to you monkeys are fucking terrifying and they've also never seen monkeys like she's like oh i think this is what a monkey is yeah just imagine like this dense jungle with Mm -hmm. just like vines and stuff everywhere Uh and then it's just Filled with angry monkeys. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And it's, it was like a, okay, not that it's cute. There's nothing cute about this moment right now. But, but Finnick and Katniss are like, Peta, can you come over here slowly? Because <laughs> Peta, she's like, I want to show you something over here. Because realistically, <laughs> Peta's like a bull in a china shop. So uh-huh. they like mm-hmm. have to take extra care of him. And he almost gets killed by a monkey, but out of nowhere, the tribute from District 6 just, like, throws herself in front of the monkey and sacrifices herself. And again, you know, Peta says, like, she sacrificed, you know, Katniss realized that she sacrificed herself, and she's still not getting it. She's still not getting it. She's she's getting that something's going on, but she has no idea what that could be. Mm -hmm. And she's like, this doesn't make any sense, which I agree. I would also be very confused. Yeah. They get away from the monkeys and they're sitting on like the beach by the cornucopia. And then Johanna shows up with Wyrus and BT and Johanna says, you know, I got them for you. And again, Katniss is like, what What do you mean you got them for me? I don't understand mm-hmm. what's happening. And Wyrus keeps saying, tick-tock, tick-tock. And Joanna's like, please take nuts. I can't deal with her anymore. She will not stop saying tick-tock. And mm-hmm. then Katniss realizes- And they're covered in blood, by the way. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Them. They're covered in blood because there was a blood rain. But yeah. then 
Katniss realizes that the arena is a clock and that at every hour something happens in a different wedge of the of the jungle because they're in a circle. Mm -hmm. So there was the beginning one was the lightning to a tree. Then there was the blood rain. There was a wave. There's fog. There's monkeys. So they don't even know what the other ones are because Mm -hmm. they haven't experienced them yet. So they go to the cornucopia and they discover that where the tree is, that's the tail end of the cornucopia. So that must be 12. That's midnight Mm -hmm. 12. And so they're able to understand what's happening, which of course is going to make the game makers big mad because they're too smart and they're figuring out their plan. Mm -hmm. And while they're attacked by the careers, (laughs) the game makers basically make it like, what's that right? The cyclone. When you're at like a yeah. carnival. So they're basically on a cyclone. They just spin the cornucopia as basically like a fuck you and now try to figure out where you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After that, Katniss hears Prim. Now this one I think is the one of the worst tortures of the mm-hmm. of the jungle. So there's Jabber Jays. So Katniss hears Prim. Finnick hears Annie, but they're not actually in the forest. But Finnick says to Katniss, which is true, he was like, how do you think they got them to make those sounds? So he's thinking that they took their loved ones and they're currently torturing them now. Mm -hmm. But that was a really hard thing for them. And Peta and Joanna weren't in that. It was just Finnick and Katniss that were stuck there. And like Mm Peta tries to like take care of Katniss afterwards because she's basically traumatized. Mm -hmm. She hears Gale and Brim. It also shows how much Katniss and Finnick have in common. Mm-hmm. Like they're fighting for people back home and like for protecting people back home. And even though they have those warrior instincts, that's still the way to completely break them down. Yeah, absolutely. And at this point, Peta gives Katniss a locket, which has her family and Gail in it because Peta is a soft boy. And he tells her, you know, you're more important than me. Like, your family needs her. He basically says, like, no one needs me, which is so upsetting, you know, because we need cause you. Because then, then Katniss realizes she's like, no, like, I need him. Like, I need mm-hmm. Peta. And then they have a wonderful kiss. One of those kisses that she actually feels something like she felt the first time in Hunger, in the Hunger, when they were in the first Hunger Games. Mm hmm. And again, she still can't decipher what this is, what this feeling is. This is also love in the face of tragedy. Mm-hmm. Like, because Peta says, I know that Hamish made you promises, but he made me promises too. Yeah. And it's really sad when she, in her mind, agrees with what Peta's saying. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, yeah, his family will mourn him and like a couple friends and stuff, but yeah. then they'll be fine. And I'm like, God, that is horrible. Yep. So that this... These next, basically the rest of the book from here on out is just chaos. Absolute mm-hmm. chaos. So BT has a plan with the wire that he has. He wants to attach it to the lightning tree to electrocute the careers. And so they kind of have to split off because they need to, they need to do the, I guess, move the wire to a part where they think the careers will be so that if they're in the sand, they'll be electrocuted once the lightning tree hits. Mm-hmm. So Katniss and Joanna have to go try to set it up. And Peta is like, I need to go with them. And they're like, no, everything's going to be fine. You know, we'll, we'll be back. And of course, things were not fine. They were attacked. Chaos ensues. It's just Joanna knocks out Katniss with the wire spiel and then cuts her arm. 
And so Katniss thinks that Joanna is trying to kill her, basically. Mm -hmm. So she takes this as, oh, okay, I can no longer trust anyone but PETA now. So she's Brutus and the other girl whose name I cannot pronounce. It's like Anabaria or something weird. I think that's right. Okay, thank you. Great. Wonderful. So they run off after Joanna. And then Katniss needs to go find PETA because now she's concerned that PETA's been killed. She she hears a cannon go off too. So she thinks it's PETA. She finds BT just knocked out by the lightning tree. And there's just so much going on. She's yelling for PETA. She's like, bring them to me so that they get, they, they kill me. And then before she went into the arena, Hamish had said to her to remember who the real enemy is. So. It's almost like Katniss, I wouldn't necessarily say she puts it together because she does not, but she realizes that the real enemy is the cap. It's President Snow, it's the Capitol, it's the game makers. So she takes her arrow with the wire and shoots it at the force field and boom, it just, <laughs> it's basically incredible. Over. It's the arena is fucked. But like you said, does she put it together? Because this is a girl who has not, like, this stuff has been staring her in the face Mm -hmm. the whole games. She cannot figure it out. And all of a sudden, she looks at, because the wire was attached to a a knife, I think, that BD was. Yes, 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 yes. Was trying to penetrate the force field with. So she, like, puts it in, like, the wire, and she puts it, like, in her arrow and, like, shoots it. Yeah, I'm like, I never would have come to this conclusion. She can't figure out the most obvious thing. But to her, this is clear that this wire is going to like explode the force field. So I don't know if she knew exactly what she was signing up for, but it worked. Yeah. And so she's lifted from the arena and she wakes up in a medical room and she's so disoriented and she just needs to find PETA and she doesn't know who has her. So she thinks that she's been, you know, she's it's like the capital president snow has her so she's like mm-hmm. i gotta i gotta i need to kill Peta before they kill Peta. so that they don't torture him for sure exactly and so she walks she discovers plutarch haymitch and finnick in a room so plutarch heavensby was the new game baker and in the beginning of the book he has a dance with katniss at one of the victors one of the victor village things that they were doing or the victory tour And there was a moment in that scene where his watch flashes the Mockingjay. So right there, without anyone realizing it, that's reading the book, that was foreshadowing what was to come. Because Mm -hmm. Plutarch is from District 13, and this was his plan all along, was to basically screw the capital over. And I actually highlighted the part. It's like a little long, but... Because I think that this describes everything perfectly. So, there was a plan to break us out of the arena from the moment the quell was announced. The victor tributes from 3, 4, 6, 7, 8, and 11 had ver- varying degrees of knowledge about it. Plutarch Heavensby has been, for several years, part of an undercover group aiming to overthrow the capital. He made sure the wire was among the weapons. BT was in charge of blowing a hole in the force field. The bread we received in the arena was code for the time of the rescue. The district where the bread originated indicated the day. 3. The number of rolls the hour. 24. The hovercraft begins belongs to District 13. Bonnie, Bonnie and Twill, the women I met in the woods from 8, were right about its existence and its defense capabilities. We are currently on a very roundabout journey to District 13. 
Meanwhile, most of the districts in Panem are in full-scale rebellion. And this is crazy because this is... It's only been a few days Mm -hmm. since the game started. And in those few days, the rebellion has fully commenced. And Katniss is pissed that she was not filled in on this plan. (laughs) And Hamish was like, we couldn't tell you and PETA because you guys would have screwed it up. A hundred percent. He's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. He's not. And so now, obviously... You know, she's putting it all together that what was happening in the arena was because they were all on her side without mm-hmm. her realizing it. Yeah, because Haymitch had told them the only way to keep her basically under control is to do what she wants to so save Mags, uh-huh. BD, Wyrus, make sure that you keep them safe, obviously make sure you keep PETA safe, and then the whole rest of the plan can happen. Yeah. And then another quote from the book, Katniss says to herself, the bird, the pin, the song, the berries, the watch, the cracker, the dress that burst into flames. I am the Mockingjay, the one that survived despite the Capitol's plans, the symbol of the rebellion. So then she also realizes that she's the symbol of the rebellion. Mm -hmm. Which is a big moment because the Mm -hmm. whole time that she's making all these decisions from when her and Gail had that conversation and she decided that she was going to stick with the rebellion. She's like, PETA has to live because PETA's better with words. PETA can convince people mm-hmm. and then they'll just use my death as a symbol of the rebellion. And then PETA will be able to use his words to convince people. And now she's realizing that was never, she had her own plans, but mm-hmm. there are bigger plans going on. Yeah. And she didn't have a say in it. And now she has to be the symbol. And also, I'd like to remind everyone that she is a teenager. So there is a teenager that is the the face of a rebellion. It's wild. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely bonkers. There's like one, literally once in the whole book that they mention her age. And Uh I was shooketh. Uh I completely forgot. I'm like, she's so young. Look at what she's gone through. Now she's married, allegedly with child, Uh facing leading a rebellion. Uh And she's 17 years old. Yep. So obviously, she's confused as to where PETA is. And unfortunately, she finds out that he has been taken by the Capitol, along with Johanna. Mm -hmm. And she knows that's not good news. And Mm -hmm. that he's probably going to be tortured. And she needs to figure out how to save him. But we'll figure that out in the third book. We'll save that. Mm -hmm. So the book ends with Gail showing up to see her. And he unfortunately has to explain to her that the district was bombed and that there's no more District 12. And she's like heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And the book just ends just like that. Just Just ends on that note. There is no District 12. The end. Literally. The end. When I like, and I forgot that that was a thing that happens. And so when I got to it, I was like, I was like, oh my God. You have to like wait until the third, which at that point, the third book hadn't been out yet. So you had to wait Mm -hmm. until the third book came out. And so like the suspense. Yeah, because there's so, not only is it a cliffhanger in this whole rebellion, but it's also like, you don't know what that means. You don't know what Mm -hmm. District 12 being gone means. No. All you know is that Gail reassures her that he saved Prim and her mother. And that's it. Yeah. So this book... And I forgot how much I loved this book. 
this is still my favorite out of the series. It's so good. It's so well written. And you forget, again, that this is a a YA book. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you read YA books and the tenor of them is, I wouldn't say slightly immature, but it doesn't have that true maturity. And the way that Suzanne Collins writes, it's, I remember, I will tell you this, when this series came out, my grandma read them. Oh, really? Yeah. My grandma loved these books. So Mm -hmm. realistically, anyone of any age could read these books because they're they're that good. Mm Mm-hmm. We watched the movie. I thought the movie was way better than the first one. Yes, the cinematography I would agree. was so much better, and I think it stayed very, very close to the novel. Yeah, much closer than the first one. Uh-huh. Also, yeah, there was a couple things they obviously had to change, but I think that this was the better movie as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved this movie, and a lot of the characters in the movie are a lot more likable than Mm -hmm. they're portrayed in the book like Katniss obviously Hamish who's much angrier in the book but in the movie there's these like tender moments where he like hugs Katniss Mm -hmm. or you know what I mean or like even smiles at her um Joanna is way less aggressive in the movie still aggressive it's also like Woody Harrelson that plays Hamish and I can't see him being angry like he was in zombie land like I just can't see him being an angry kind of person and so oh my god the scene in the elevator with Johanna was one of my favorite scenes Jennifer Lawrence's facial expressions phenomenal deserves an oscar Mm -hmm. for that alone like it was just Mm -hmm. so she was the eye roll was amazing and even finnick too oh god like in the book he sounds so much more unlikable Mm -hmm. and then the way he's portrayed in the movie like how could you not love him i know i also just love sam claflin so much so the the casting truly is incredible especially in this movie Mm -hmm. absolutely and even effie like in the books mm -hmm. she's so like vapid and all stuff but in the movie elizabeth banks are you kidding me like just does such an incredible job makes her so lovable in spite of her you know capitalness Uh uh-huh it's just it's so good and i will say jennifer lawrence is incredible there are a few parts where she she does overact it a little bit, but you uh, know what? Course. She's portraying a 17-year-old who's uh-huh. walking everyone around her die, so we're going to let it go. My second favorite eye-acting expressions after the elevator is the ending. Like, that final shot mm-hmm. where Gail tells her there's no District 12, and at first she's, like, crying. She's You can see her it's just a close-up of her face you can see her trying to figure out what this means and then you watch her expression turn to anger and she makes that like eye contact with the camera it's so good it's so good so good definitely a better movie and a better book in my opinion Mm -hmm. was there anything else you wanted to discuss i don't think so oh i do want to bring up the that thing that i sent you on i don't remember i sent it to you but where they were talking about how the casting of Peta and Gail is unfair. And that's <laughs> yeah. why everyone was so team Gail at the beginning. And I'm not saying Josh Hutcherson is not adorable because he is, but he is not a Hemsworth. Like that's unfair I know. to I, compare them. He did have a glow up in Catching Fire though. Oh, definitely. He and he's definitely. also, 
he's more lovable in general, yeah. like just after you see his personality. But it's unfair to cast these two <laughs> and expect Jennifer Lawrence to make a decision. Okay, I know. Just right especially, off the bat, especially I feel I feel like in the book she wasn't. You couldn't really tell how she felt about Gail or Peta. But I will admit the chemistry that she had with Liam Hemsworth on screen aside from josh hutcherson in this movie i was like oh like she really is into gail you could just tell that she had like feelings Mm -hmm. for gail where in the book you're kind of like i don't know but in this movie the chemistry that she had with liam hemsworth was fairly good yeah in the book it's like is this a convenience thing Mm -hmm. whereas in the movie it's like no you like us see how hot he is yep and you want to kiss him which i completely understand so yeah all in all, I am very happy that we reread this one because mm-hmm. this is one of my favorites. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. The the movie is just so good. And I really like how close they stay to the book because there's mm-hmm. so much. And the book, I mean, it's a quick read because it's YA, but it is mm-hmm. pretty long. You're more than halfway through before the games even start. Like yeah. the games are such a small portion they really are in this book. of the book. So for my ratings, it'll be out of Mockingjays because that seems appropriate. And I, I agree. absolutely gave this a five out of five Mockingjays. I, I've said it a million times so far. It's just uh, this book was so good. And that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. It's just it was so good. There was not one thing I disliked about this book, if I'm being honest with you. I completely agree. I I'm giving it four and a half Mockingjays, but that's only because this is a very rare instance where I feel like as much as I love the book, I actually loved the movie more. And the whole beginning of the book, incredible, like the quell, Mm -hmm. the Seneca crane, all of that stuff. But in the end, especially the part in the arena where they're explaining like the tree and her uh, exploding the the dome and all this mm-hmm. stuff. I feel like I couldn't really picture it. I agree with that. And then in the movie, it it's, was uh-huh. done so well. Yep. So I'm like, yes, this is definitely my favorite concept. But I feel like without the movie, I wouldn't get the full experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, I do. 100%. And I agree. This was a really, really good movie. Like mm-hmm. I enjoyed it from start to finish. Same thing. It was just really, really well done. Yeah. And I'm excited for, obviously, we've both already seen and read the third one, but I'm excited to see how those compare because it's it's so hard to separate mm-hmm. them when you're remembering I remember, it. I remember I didn't love the movies as much, mainly because they broke it up into, into two movies. And mm-hmm. I think it was just, and I think the book itself, too, was a little long for me, but we'll see because I might yeah. change my opinion. I read it so many years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So that's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you use. If you have any book recommendations or questions for us, you can email us at fullybookedcathpod at gmail.com. Also be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at fullybookedcathpod to see our upcoming reads, the fun reviews of other books we read that month, And thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye. Bye.